You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our reading is taken from the Common English Bible, Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 12. All of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come, buy food and eat. Without money at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what is at food? and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy. Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good. Enjoy the riches of peace. Listen and come to me. Listen, and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful loyalty to David. Look, I made him a witness to the peoples, a prince and commander of peoples. Look, you will call a nation you don't know. A nation you don't know will run to you because the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, who has glorified you. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call him while he is yet near. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the sinful their schemes. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them to our God, because he is generous with forgiveness. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans. Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky, and don't return without watering the water, the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seed to the sower and food to the eater. So is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. Yes, you will go out with celebration and you will be brought back in peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dainty, for reading our scripture this morning. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Who knows the next one? Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'm impressed. So those were a few of Julie Andrews' favorite things and the sound of music. A few of my favorite things, the smell of coffee, wandering through a bookstore, the sound of a cappella harmony in a resonant space. What are a few of your favorite things? Good music. music. Absolutely. Chocolate. Wine. Wine. New car. 
a few of our favorite things, some of them small, Steve dreams big, <laughs> but appreciating those things, whether it is an excellent piece of chocolate or it is good music, to savor those moments, to soak up the goodness of a welcoming hug from a friend or a cup of tea with someone you haven't seen in years. These are those types of moments that help us see the gift of life that God has given to us. Even when life is hard, when life is difficult, whether it is because we've lost our job or because someone we love is sick or we ourselves are sick, even in those moments, there can be something like a beautiful sunset that captures our attention for just a moment and gives us a sense of the goodness of God. If we're able to cultivate the habit of embracing beauty, it will increase the moments of pleasure in our life. And this can be a pathway into worshiping God. As we see the awe in that sunset, we can give thanks to the one who created it. This week in our penultimate chapter of Liturgy of the Ordinary, Reverend Tish Harrison Warren wrote, there is no task too small or too routine that cannot reflect God's glory and worth. For the last 10 weeks, we have looked at those little routines of our life from waking up and making the bed to brushing our teeth to losing our keys and sending and responding to email. She has looked at these little moments in our life an opportunity to connect with the divine that is around us. And this week, she invites us to think of those moments that bring us pleasure. For her, she finds deep delight in drinking a cup of tea at the end of the day. For this week's chapter, she wrote, My body, this tea, and the quiet twilight are teaching me about God's goodness through my senses. I am tasting, hearing, feeling, seeing, and smelling that God is good. Pleasure is our deep human response to an encounter with beauty and goodness. In these moments of pleasure, of delight, of enjoyment, of awe and revelry, we respond to God impulsively with our bodies. Our bodies say, yes, we agree. Your creation is very good. Now, while her focus in this chapter is on her cup of tea, she hasn't left us coffee drinkers out. In fact, she pointed out that coffee culture was a Christian invention. She wrote, the church has a reputation for being anti-pleasure, but in reality, the church has led the way in the art of enjoyment and pleasure. New Testament scholar Ben Witherington points out that it was the church, not a chain of coffee um, shops, that created coffee culture. Coffee was first invented by Ethiopian monks. The term cappuccino refers to the shade of brown used for the habits of the capuchin monks of Italy. Coffee is born out of extravagance, an extravagant God who formed an extravagant people who formed a craft out of the pleasures of roasted beans 
and frothed milk. So whether your preference is for roasted beans or for chai or for crushed grapes or some other sweet treat, we celebrate with the psalmist who said, let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Many times in that book of Psalms, we are reminded of the goodness of God. And it connects us to the pleasure that we experience through food and drink and how this can be a celebration of the glory of God. But the church's reputation for being anti-pleasure still lingers. It's often because those things that we name as enjoyable and pleasurable often are labeled in some way as being sinful. And this happens not because of the teachings of Jesus, but in some part because of the Greek philosopher Plato. He came up with the idea of an abstract realm, spirit, emotion, thought, opposed to a concrete realm, flesh, things that we touch, see, hear, and taste. And for Plato, that Greek philosopher, it was the abstract realm that was supposedly preferable to the concrete realm. This strand of Greek philosophy, the notion of spirit versus flesh, shows up in the writings of St. Paul. In his letter to the church at Galatia, he said to them to live by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. This preference for the spiritual over the flesh is an idea that has continued to filter down through the church in many ways over the centuries. In some, some would say spiritual good, physical bad. And on the flip side, our secular culture has an unhealthy obsession with physical pleasure. It has taken consumerism to staggering heights. Reverend Warren addresses this imbalance of extremes in her writing this week. She said, quote, pleasure is a gift, but it can become an idol. We overindulge. We become addicts. What once was a trap, what once was a gift becomes a trap. The demand for more and more and more can turn a healthy pleasure into an addiction. We become insatiable. Our ability to enjoy something is diminished to the extent that it becomes a false God. God alone can both be worshiped and enjoyed. All lesser things are meant to be enjoyed in their proper place as they flow as a gift from God who deserves our worship. Sometimes with those false idols, the more we have, the more we want, the more we want, the more we buy. It's like any addiction. The more we indulge, the greater the tolerance we build to that pleasure. And it no longer brings us the same pleasure as it once did. We are forced to indulge more and more and more to seek that same level of pleasure. All to the detriment of our health. Our financial health, our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health. Even the world's ecological health. The very creation that God declared to be good. It is because God declared creation to be good that we are able to experience God's goodness in the world around us, in all of those favorite things that we named earlier. We hear this echoed 
in our scripture reading from the prophet Isaiah that Dainty read for us a few moments ago. The prophet Isaiah spoke these words from God to the people of Israel who were in exile from their home. In Isaiah's time, the best and the brightest of their community, the people of Israel, the people who were teachers, religious leaders, artists, scholars, they were stolen from the nation of Israel and taken away to live in exile in Babylon. So they were a people away from home. They were besieged by doubt unfamiliarity to the land and the language and the customs to the strangeness of all that was around them and by helplessness and hopelessness that they would ever return home. They were a people in exile who found themselves fractured from what they knew. People who were caught in a place where they had to make a new life. They felt lost And they needed a word from God. And so spoke Isaiah, bringing to them the word of God. He said, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come buy food and eat. Without money at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what isn't food and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest of feasts. Come and listen to me. Listen and you will live. That last word, if we look at the Hebrew, that word that we heard as live in this translation could also be said revive. So Isaiah is saying, experience true enjoyment, true pleasures in eating and drinking. Find your way back to God and God will revive you. God will refresh their bodies and their spirits. God will bring new life to their worn and weary souls through the joy, the goodness, and the pleasure of their favorite things. Isaiah says, listen to me, come listen, and you will live. God can revive our spirits through the ordinary moments of small pleasures in our everyday life. God made us to enjoy beauty and wonder and deliciousness and delight in the world around us. And what a gift that is. And when we worship, we thank God for this gift. We remember these gifts. When we come to worship, we reorient ourselves to remember that all that is good comes as a gift from God. Our prayers, our songs, they all remind us to celebrate the goodness of God. And today we have a special treat with the beautiful art that was created by a member of the First Vietnamese American UMC. To remember in this season of Thanksgiving of the beauty of our creation that has been coming into our sanctuary to see the beautiful, bountiful harvest in this season. It is a gift from God. And when we worship the one who has given us all of these gifts, we then leave this place and we go out into the world that is filled with joy and beauty. And we are surrounded by people who are hungry for goodness. 
And so when we worship, we practice noticing what is good. We practice noticing what is delightful and pleasurable. And we take these habits out into the world so that we can see them every day. We take it not just for ourselves, though. We're to go out into the world as a witness to those who are seeking joy and pleasure and who too often turn to numbing habits. Isaiah echoes this. He said, look, I made David a witness to the people, a prince and a commander to the people. Look, you will call a nation you don't know. A nation you don't know will run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call him when he is yet near. Yes, you will go out with celebration and you will be brought back in with peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. In this text, we hear a call to witness to God's goodness. To be witnesses in the world pointing to that which is a source of joy and celebration To know that this is echoed, even the mountains of the hills will burst into song before you. You ever experienced a joy so great that you just wanted to burst into song in that moment? Sometimes we think it's got to be something so big and significant to bring us that kind of joy. But it can be something as simple as an incredible cup of tea. We inhale the sweet aroma and we allow ourselves to soak up God's goodness. Writer G.K. Chesterton saw in God a childlike wonder. He wrote, quote, children never tire of beauty and pleasure. They embrace enjoyment with abandon. They don't feel guilty about taking time to search for feathers Invent a game or enjoy a treat. Chesterson Chesterson imagines that God revels in the pleasure of God's creation like an enthusiastic child. There's a beautiful quote from Chesterson that Reverend Warren used in her book. She said, because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And for the grown up person, they do that again until they feel nearly dead. For the grown up people, they're not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that all daisies look alike. It may be that God makes every single daisy separately, but that God never got tired of making them. God said, do it again. It may be that God has the eternal appetite of infancy for we have sinned and grown old. And our father is younger than we. We have sinned and grown old and become dulled to the wonder of the world around us. 
It may sound counterintuitive, but enjoyment takes practice. We need to return time and again to celebrating the joy uh, that is all around us. And this is part of what we do in worship. We turn time and time again to the goodness of God. And we see how God delights in this world that God made. God delights in us. God delights in you and in me. We hear of the goodness of God in our scriptures, in our songs, in our prayers, and in our liturgies. When we light candles, we pour baptismal waters, when we break bread, when we anoint with oil, we have the opportunity to see and to hear and to smell and to touch those ordinary things that God makes extraordinary. Over the last two years between the COVID pandemic and transitioning to this, our temporary worship space, there's been a lot of changes to our experience of worship. For more than a full year, we were only online. And now we have gathered again in person on Saturdays at a different day of the week, And because of COVID, we still are not yet running around and hugging all of our friends and greeting our visitors in the way that we would like to. In our old sanctuary, we would kneel at the communion rail or we would respond to a prayer request by lighting a candle. These are the things that we don't have in our experience of exile. And yet as challenging as it has been to adapt our worship. There have been new blessings during that time of virtual worship. And for those at home watching this on Sunday, maybe you're right now curled up with a cup of tea. Maybe you are somewhere soft and comfortable, or maybe you are outside enjoying beautiful weather like we have today. I know in the past, during fellowship time, I have seen some of you outside. So you have worshipped God amidst the sounds of the birds singing and the sun shining. You found ways to embrace moments of pleasure, even when worship was not what you were used to experiencing. That's part of what worship does for us. It encourages us to find ways to soak up the goodness of God. For us in this room, the goodness of God comes from the gift of the fellowship of the other people. Whatever it is that brings you a moment of joy from your favorite thing, next time you experience it, allow yourself to soak up the goodness of God. Because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen.